Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson, host of the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. And before we get started with this week's episode, I want to make sure that all of the special needs moms who are listening out there know about our event that we have coming up this summer called By the Brook. Now, By the Brook will be taking place on June 25th and 26th, and By the Brook is a weekend of fun and encouragement that is tailor-made for moms of individuals with special needs or chronic illness. Now, registration is going to open up on May the 1st, and you can find more information on our website or on our app. And moms, trust me, you do not want to miss out on this event. It is the highlight every year for us as a ministry in the summer. And we want to make sure that you are with us because you are going to walk away feeling so blessed and so encouraged. So be on the lookout for more information on our social media platforms. And again, registration will open up in just a few weeks on May the 1st. Now we have such a great and encouraging episode for you this week with my new friend, Sarah Klein. Sarah is a special needs mom, a wife, an organizational guru, a writer, a podcaster, and a speaker. And she knows firsthand how overwhelming life can be as a special needs mom. And Sarah loves to come alongside other moms who may feel isolated, fearful, or defeated, and she loves to help bring them to a place of authentic joy. I know that you're going to love this conversation that I had with my new friend, Sarah Klein. Hey, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Rising Above podcast. I'm so excited to get to share your story today. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited too. Well, this is the first time we've officially met. We have not met before. I heard about you through another friend (laughs) in the special needs world, and she was sharing about you and your podcast and what you do. And so this was the first time though that we've actually met. So I would love to know a little bit more about your story and about your family. So fill us in on your family and who all is part of your crew. Sure. I am um, a boy mom of two. I have um, actually, I have been married to my high school sweetheart. I love um, that. Yeah. So we first met in high school. I was 14 wow. and he was 16 and we had a little hiatus there for a while, but ended up uh, coming back together and we've been married for 23, 24 years. He would be able to tell you I'm obviously <laughs> not the, rom- the romantic one in the, the family. There you but, go. Um, we have two boys. My oldest Connor is 20 and and he is attending seminary right now. He's going something um, either. We, we really don't know. I think maybe counseling, spiritual counseling, yeah. but um, he's kind of finding his way right now. And our youngest TJ is 17 and he is a sophomore and he attends public school. He loves it. And he TJ is my child with special needs. So TJ has a progressive and fatal form of muscular dystrophy called Duchenne. And Duchenne, it's a devastating muscle-wasting disease, and it's caused by a defective gene that's responsible for making the protein dystrophin. And so without dystrophin, your muscles, they just become damaged and die, and that is including your heart and your lungs. So typically, it results in heart failure or lung failure. And so most boys are wheelchair-bound by the age of 12, and the average life expectancy is mid-20s to late-20s. just about, however, so much is being done 
um, just on the front of trying to find a cure mm -hmm. and more and more, there are more and more men. It's considered a childhood disease, but we're trying actually one of the difficulties is now that we're finding adults with it. So that wow. is a good, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're finding men and there's a few women that have it that they're living into their thirties, possibly that's even forties now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, he, TJ, our son was diagnosed on February 8th, 2012. And I can just say that it has been a continuous lesson in living life well. You know, I am sure on that day when you heard that diagnosis, I'm sure, I, I think from reading some of the things on your website, you had been like trying to discover what was going on with him. And then you right. finally get the diagnosis. What was that day like for you? Um, you know, I... I expected that diagnosis. Um, my husband was shocked to his core, but, and I think that's more indicative of our personalities. Um, I'm more of the, I put my nose to the grindstone and right. I'm going to find, you know, I'm just, I'm the researcher. I want right. to know all of the things. Um, we, I actually worked for a doctor's office um, and it was New Year's Eve, 2011. And the receptionist stepped away from the phone and I took a phone call and we had had my son in physical therapy because he wasn't walking up the stairs, right? It was just, his gait was, awkward when he ran. So we put him in physical therapy, he got better. And then we um, ended up, he started declining again. So we thought, well, he's just so stubborn. He's just not wanting to take the the right course. Right. Um, and so we put him back in. And anyway, the receptionist stepped away from the phone and I worked for an orthopedist at the time. And it was New Year's Eve, everybody was out of the office, I answered the phone and um, it was a pediatric um, physical therapist and said, I have a concern with one of the patients that was referred to me that I saw yesterday. And I knew my son was going to be the only one that saw him because it was oh, actually, wow. it wasn't a pediatric orthopedist that I worked for. It was an adult and he was just doing this as a favor. And so I said, what's the name? He said my son's name. And I'm like, well, that's my son. And he said, I can't talk to you. I'm so, so sorry. I can't talk to you. And so I called the doctor and it seemed like hours, but I probably minutes. And that was the first time I heard Duchenne. And I didn't even, they said, just stay off the internet. That was the only yeah. thing. That was, just yes. Stay off internet the internet. It's not your friend when it no. comes to things like this. It's just no, not, yeah. no. But of course, the first thing I did was get on the internet. Of course. But I didn't know how to spell it. Mm. <laughs> so I went to the MDA website. I'm like, oh, what's that guy on the telethon? What's his name? Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Jerry Lewis. Yeah. 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 So I actually went, I go, that's MDA. So I went actually to Jerry Lewis telethon. And then it's, it, it like forwarded me to MDA. That's how clueless I was when we yeah. first heard it. And there was a video of how boys with Duchenne get up off the floor. And I thought that's him. And my husband was like, nope, nope, that's not it. Yeah. He, Cause he was so much older than boys that were typically diagnosed. And so when we heard the, the words from the doctor, I knew it. I just, I, I guess I was expecting it. it. Doesn't it didn't make it any easier? But my husband was like, no, no, that's not right. Like he just he knew it wasn't right. So it was just, it was like a, I just liken it to a fog. I yeah, mean, I love, yeah, yeah. You go through life, but everything is just, it's not as clear. You just, you know, you're just taking that one step ahead of you. You really, you know, there's a corner, you know, there might be a car ahead, but you just can't see it because the fog is so dense. And so that's the only thing I can really liken it to. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've experienced grief with the loss of my husband. And I would say the same thing. It's like this, yeah. you're in such a, I, you know, finding out a diagnosis is, is a, a grief process as well. And yeah. so that grief creates such a sense of fog and there's no way to put it into words. 
You're just, you're just literally trying to take it step by step and day by day. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. To keep your head above the fray. Yeah. And so, you know, in those early years, I know for you, you're like, I mean, most special needs moms, we get in there, we're going to start researching, we're going to find, you know, whatever we can find diet supplements, what, you know, medication, whatever we can do to help our kids. And so often for the dads, it's a little, it's harder for them to get to that place. So how did you all transition through all of that together? I mean, you've been married 23 years. How did you, um, how did, what were some of the things that you did to navigate through those early years in your marriage? Um, well, I think the, the thing that was the most crucial was I, of course, like I said, I was the researcher. So I would be up at you know two o'clock in the morning and my husband actually did too. He thought I'm the dad, I'm the husband. I, I got to find a way to fix this. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't think he knew that, but I think that was just his natural instinct. And so we would both find each other all hours of the night, all day, mm-hmm. just trying to research. And he came to me at one point and he said, I just have something that really is concerning to me. And he had read, and I could be getting the percentages wrong, but I know it was over 80%, but I think it was over 85% of marriages with Duchenne and in divorce. Mm-hmm. And he said, that scares me. And so we decided then and there that we were going to just start therapy. And that was, I think, critical for us. That um, is brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I know it is, you know, and the funny story about that is we thought, okay, we're going to start it. It's kind of a waste of time because we're good. We're fine. We went into the first therapy session. We're like, it's really going to be so easy for the therapist because we, we're really good. We left 15 minutes later, not talking. I'm crying. We're like, we were fine before we went. <laughs> but um, I really think it was just so critical for us to start on that good, that, that positive foot where we had somebody that would teach us mm-hmm. how to communicate because up until that point, we really hadn't anything. We hadn't had anything that required this level of thought and planning and grief and all of the emotions. Mm-hmm. And so having somebody to help navigate that with us, I think was just critical. Yeah. I think yeah. that is brilliant. And, and I don't know of any other couple that I've heard of who's actually made the choice that early on to go ahead and start. So I think I think that is yeah. brilliant. Um, and that you I credit that. that to my husband <laughs> because I wouldn't have thought of it. Yeah. Um, going back to, I'm not the romantic one. I'm he's usually that. I mean, that was where he wanted to start. And that is actually one of the things that I try to help moms with now is just the importance of finding therapy so early on and a counselor so early on, because it really is, it's, it's critical to help navigate this life. That's, that's so smart. And, you know, I think I'm just sitting here thinking about, you know, you have your son, they give you this diagnosis and they give you a time frame almost of mm-hmm. this is your life expectancy for your son. How in the world do you navigate that day to day of knowing, you know, he's in his twenties now? Or close to 17 now. I'm sorry, you're all just 17. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So how do you live every day knowing, um, knowing that, you know, knowing that they, they have, yeah. that's what they've said. And granted, we know God can do anything. So we, we don't, we don't put timestamps on, but how do you, how do you daily make it through knowing? And, and, and was it harder earlier on? And then now you've kind of come to a place of, I think. I, I think it comes in waves. Definitely. It was harder at the beginning mm-hmm. um, because at the beginning he looked 
perfectly healthy. Mm-hmm. Like there just was absolutely, I'm like, he just wasn't climbing stairs correctly. All of a sudden we go from not climbing stairs mm-hmm. correctly to, you know, he might only have 15 years to live. And it's like, that was just, it was so hard for me to, to put that together. And so just trying to navigate it, it was really difficult early on. Um, I think in some ways it's easier now, but the closer we get to birthdays, the more difficult it is. Mm-hmm. But I also think that we had no other choice but to say we have today, we have right now, yeah. and and this is this is what we have. And so we try not to get caught up in the what ifs. What what will happen down the road? What mm-hmm. you know? What if this? And you know, we do our due diligence. We try to get them into the you know physical therapy. We try to get them into clinical trials and all of that. But like you said, ultimately, no, it's God's plan. And it really kind of, I, I tell people that learning to navigate this and knowing that every day might be it, you know, like what is going to happen? Um, Cause usually the heart will turn on a dime. And so what's wow. perfectly healthy, one appointment with a cardiologist, six months can be an absolute game changer. And is that this truly made me made me realize that is, is my faith foundational or is my faith fluff? Mm. I mean, do I really believe all that I have been spouting my whole life? Right. About, right. You know, God has a plan. He cares for us. He cares, you know, and it really, I had a hard time reconciling that to be completely mm. honest at the beginning. I've been a Christian my whole life. I was raised in a Christian home. And so again, I went into research. I thought I'm going to prove whether or not God is as faithful as what I have been taught and what I have believed, or is he apathetic? Like, and I, I went in and I got into the Bible and that was, that was really, really helpful for me is to go um, really deep into scripture and really spend some time with God. Very honestly, I don't agree with you. I have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was pivotal for me. And so mm-hmm. I think it's a lot easier knowing having that time, that one-on-one with God and knowing that we, I worked through that and I, I do have those answers now, but some days are really difficult. You know, it just, it it is some days are harder for him. He can't walk as well, or, you know, he, it just, he falls and he breaks bones a lot because he has osteoporosis, but it's, you know, those, those moments are a little bit more difficult, but yeah. Well, I spent some time on your website, just learning more about you and your story. And one of the things that you said that I absolutely love is you said, I have stopped focusing on what will never be. And I've decided, decided to focus on all that is special in our lives. There is joy, faith, hope, love, and community within the special needs world. I, for one, am embracing it. And I love that because, you know, I encounter so many moms and dads who don't, who don't embrace this world. They want to run and don't want to um, be in the special needs world. And, and I get that is, it is hard, especially early on, but, you know, looking back, was there a a moment that you can look back to and go, okay, this is the moment when I came to this place of embracing the special needs life. And it may have been when you were in the scriptures, I don't know, but was there a moment in when you just are like, okay, this is God's good for us. Mm-hmm. I think it was when I really laid it all on the line with God. Mm-hmm. I thought, I don't understand. And that was just, that was really the turning point for me. But yeah, I also just think, 
I felt that God was just telling me it's a choice, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and yeah. it was one particular moment that I can remember where my son said, I hate this life. Mm-hmm. And he said that to me and it was so out of character for him. Mm-hmm. And I realized what, you know, your children mimic you Absolutely. and what you do and your personalities and how you feel about things and things that come out of their mouth, you know, only come from you. And sometimes you're like, oh, that's great. And sometimes you're like, that's not so great. Right. Um, he said, I, I hate this life. And I said, what life? And he said, Duchenne. He said, it's just it's horrible. And he was saying things that I know he didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I was becoming a victim of it. And if I became a victim of Duchenne, he stood absolutely no chance of, mm. of, of not becoming a victim of it himself. Yeah. And so that was really kind of pivotal for me where I thought, you know, I, I don't try, we don't sugarcoat it. We don't say, oh, you're fine. This is great. Right. This is fine. We, we allow the grieving. We allow the questions. We're very honest with him. He understands, um, I think as much as he can. And, you know, we were of course age appropriate with him, but letting him grieve, but then also saying, but here are all the great things about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it doesn't define who we are. Nice. And that was, that has been instrumental. Um, just me not, it's a, it's a choice. It is a daily choice that I am like, this is my mm-hmm. life. I can either be miserable in it yeah. or I can, I can choose to be happy in it. Mm-hmm. It is a choice. It's a difficult choice some days. And sometimes I don't win that choice, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I really try to, because I want my, I don't want my son to fall victim to it. I don't, whatever limited life he has, I want it to be joyful. Mm-hmm. I want it. I want it to be something that I don't want him to live this life regretting yeah. that he was alive. So absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And my sister, when my son was born, the best advice anybody ever gave me early on was she said, you will set the tone for how everyone else responds to your son. And I have seen that play out over and over and over again. You know, if the, mm-hmm. that we're going to set the tone, not only for how others respond, but how our kids respond. And right. uh, so I think that is, that is so smart. And, and you setting that tone with him early on of going, no, th- yes. I think you have to acknowledge, yes, this is hard. You can't just yeah. sugarcoat and go over that. It's not hard, but then to point out, but the, here are the blessings too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think what you said too, is you set the tone, not just for your family, but for other people. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing too, is I'm like, you know, so often I, we have special needs moms and dads, we want people to see our children as more than the diagnosis, mm-hmm. but we don't show them more than the diagnosis. Right. We're constantly lamenting over our situation. And, and so they're not going to see the joy. They're not going to see our child as more than a diagnosis if we don't allow that. Yeah. So, that's so, so, so true. So, okay. Something else you said on your website is you say, <laughs> I'm a self-proclaimed spreadsheet, digital app, and all around organizational nerd. Okay. So I want to know more about that because I am the exact opposite. In fact, my team, my team here at rising above jokes, they know that I love a good spreadsheet because I like to see it, but I in no way want to create one. And then yesterday I was needing to find one piece of paper in a file cabinet at my house. I had to go through, like I took every file out of two file cabinets, couldn't find it. And then it was in a storage tub somewhere, you know, somewhere else. And I'm like, I I need your help. So teach me, teach me how you do this. So explain to me about how you're, you're, 
your organizational, some of the things that you do. I'd love, there's some other things you say, but I need your help. So walk me through what this looks like. Okay. Um, and it's actually something that I'm, well, I'll start by saying my, my day job, um, I own my own business where I do operations management and organizational skills for other entrepreneurs. And so one of the things that I do is I go in and I organize them digitally. I, I go in and make sure that everything is working properly together. And so I think I've always been geared that way. So when we received the diagnosis, I just took what I did for them and started doing it for myself. Mm-hmm. And it's just been recently that I realized other people are like, wait, you do what? And I, I didn't realize that other people <laughs> that would be me. That. Yeah, yeah. 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 So one of the things that I'm doing is I'm starting to, it's actually in the works, but I'm creating a system that will help special needs parents organize either from the beginning or where they are now and going forward. Mm. And I can give an example of one of the things of where this organizational, yes, it helps you organize, but it also frees up so much space in your daily life. Mm -hmm. Because um, one example, what I do is I have a spreadsheet for all the medications that my son is on. And so this might not, it, it doesn't, relate to everybody, but just an example is, you know, my son has 20 different medications. So, and he has a team of doctors. So one doctor's like, well, so who prescribed that? When did they prescribe it? How long has he been on it? Well, I don't know. There's 20, nobody in their right mind. No one on this earth can remember all of that. And so I have the spreadsheet of this medication was started then. And I have another tab that's like, okay, he was on this particular antibiotic for this long for strep or whatever it might be, because I, the doctors need to know that. And so I found whenever we were doing infusions, other parents and nurses were like, Oh my gosh, show this nurse, show them your, your binder. And so I get out my binder and they're like, this is brilliant. So it was one of those where I'm like, okay, so this must, everybody's so surprised that it's not that way. So, um, you know, not everybody does it, but that's one example of just like the medic medication. And I carry one, actually, I carry two copies with me at all times. And so if we go to the emergency room or we go to the doctor and they're like, can we review the medication? I just say, see attached, I staple it. And that's freed me up for 15 minutes yeah. that I can set with my child and he doesn't have to fret about it. Yeah. Um, and then most recently we were in, he was having surgery. It was right in the midst of the whole COVID thing. So I was alone and it was, it was kind of, it was high anxiety anyway. Right. And then you had the whole COVID thing on top of it and it just, just um, exacerbated it. But we had a new cardiologist. It was at a hospital that we weren't familiar with because um, it was a break um, of one of his bones. And this new cardiologist was a little hesitant to help the anesthesiologist because of his issue with his heart. And so she wanted all of these backlogs, all of this stuff. Well, it was on a Friday, COVID was going on and all of this. And I was able to plan A, pull it all up on my phone. And when that plan A didn't work, I was able to call my mom who was back and she's like, I need you to run my house. And actually, I think, cause my husband was out in the parking lot, but I was, I called my mom and I'm like, I need you to go to my house and I need you to take a picture and I need you. And I, cause I thought she'll just have to run it to us. But the long story short was I had two different ways that I had organized it. And one, the surgery was able to happen. But most importantly, I think was, I was able to stay in the moment with him yes. and not have that anxiety build up in me. And then 
you know, that bleed off onto him. And so those are the things that I think, you know, organizing in itself, yes, is it's great, but it's, it's the outcomes of it mm-hmm. that are often overlooked of what I try to, what I'm starting to try to help other special needs moms and dads do. That's so great. Cause we just had a hospitalization and surgeries and whatnot with my son. And I know exactly what you mean. You're in, we had to go in for an emergency situation and you are frantic because mm-hmm. you're in the ER. They're asking you all these questions. And um, I would, I would absolutely have loved that to have something I could pull right up and go, here you go. Mm-hmm. Here's everything you need to know instead of me in my panic state trying to remember everything. So I'm, yeah. I'll be your first customer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. It's looking at the I'll summer. be a guinea pig. You know, I'll be a guinea pig. You try it out with me and we'll, we'll see how it goes. But you'll be my beta trial. There you go. We'll, I'll, I'll beta test it for you yeah. all day long. So, yeah. but you want to help parents find the space organizationally, you say <laughs> mentally emotionally and spiritually. So let's kind of break those down. We talked about organizationally. Mm -hmm. What does that look like doing that mentally? Mentally, I think it is first and foremost, getting over that hump of this stinks. I don't want to have to do this. Mm -hmm. And it does, it does stink. No one ever wants to have to do this, but you know, like I was talking about that medication spreadsheet um, is kind of getting over it stinks and I don't want to do this of saying, okay, but this is my reality. Right. How can I make it so easy on myself? And one of the ways that I have created space for myself mentally is I refill all of his medications on Sunday. Um, doesn't always happen, but 99% of the time it does. And then I have a list that first thing Monday morning, what I do is then I call and I get them refilled if they need to, or all of that. Mm -hmm. And what that does, and I I know it sounds like good grief, that's so rigid, but here's what I want to tell people is that come Wednesday afternoon at two o'clock, when you're out doing whatever you're you're at the grocery store and you're like, oh my gosh, did I refill Mm so-and-so or did I order a new so-and-so for that equipment or whatever that might be? You can rest in the fact that, yes, I know because I would have done that Monday. Mm. Um, And so all of those fears that keep coming up to you and reoccurring because it is a constant process. Um, you have so much on your mind. And I think that we feel like we should have to be able to do it all and remember it all. And it's just not possible. So if you put the systems in place that just frees you up for the rest of the time, it stinks that every Monday morning that I need to do that. And I, I honestly, I'm going to be completely honest. I dread it. I don't want to have to get on the phone with insurance or, pharmaceutical companies or whatever. But I know if I do it for 30 minutes on Monday, the rest of the week is freed up. And I don't have to worry about whenever I see a sale on some vitamin thinking, do we need it? I can say no, because I would have known that Monday. Right. So yeah. Wow. That's so great. So how does that look emotionally? Emotionally, I, I tend to feel like I need to be perfect at this whole mom gig and a good mom in my mind, and this is only for myself, anybody else, I would say it was ridiculous. So I don't, I need to be as nice to myself as probably what I need to be other people. But I think so often we think we have to have it all together. We have to, we have to know all the things. And I mean, how many times are we told, Oh my gosh, you're such an inspiration. I can't do, I could never do what you do or those kind of things. And we carry that with us, whether or not we realize it or not. And so emotionally knowing that I have things in place that I, 
my emotions aren't tied up in the how to's or the what's my emotions, then I create that space enough that I can focus my emotions on what the emotions need to be about mm -hmm. my son's progression, mm -hmm. um, whether or not he has to have yet another surgery, um, you know, what's happening at school, something happened at school and being able to really have, knowing that I have these systems in place, I feel that it, it frees me up emotionally to really deal with the emotions that matter, mm -hmm. not the emotions of being overwhelmed right. about all of the other logistics. So. And, and then you go on to talk about spiritually. So how does that play out as, as well? Um, I think when you tie all of that together, first, you, you kind of get over the stinks. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to do yeah. this. This life stinks. I think we can all agree. We all have something that we don't want to do. Right. And so once you get past that, you free yourself up mentally and emotionally, you have allowed yourself some space that you can set with God without all the baggage that you have with you. Mm -hmm. You can, you can set it at the door, go into that room and just talk to God. And it mm -hmm. doesn't have to be about I mean, you can talk about it's so hard. God, it's so yes. hard, yeah. you know, to do this and to deal with this. But I think if you're not so busy, at least with me, I'm not so busy talking about all of the stuff that I'm able to hear mm -hmm. and I'm able to listen. Yeah. And I, that's that's where I think it comes in. If you organize yourself and you can kind of create that space you can create the space not only for yourself to feel, but you can create that spell, that space for yourself to hear God. Mm, that's, that is so good. And so true, because I think we get so, there's so many voices coming at us, you know, all around, yeah. especially right now with COVID and all, you know, all the things going on right now and then doctors and therapists. And, and I remember when my son was in school early on, just all these voices coming at me, you need to do this. You need to do mm -hmm. this. But the reality is I needed to get still and quiet and find out what is it that God wants me to do. He right. knows what the best plan is for my son. He knows what the best therapy is for him. He knows what the best supplements medication are for him. And yet we get so distracted by so many other voices yes. that it's hard to sit and find the time to be still and be quiet and, mm -hmm. and let him tell us what to do. He's, you know, but he's got the best plan ever. So Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny because I, I always have the analogy or I have this visual that, you know, God's standing behind, like I'm a waitress and God's standing in the kitchen and I am just like flinging orders at him, you know, like I need you to do this and this and this and this. And then like somehow he's just supposed to stand there and say, order up, order up, order right. up. Right. And I'm just supposed to go and do it all. And I think that there's a time where he's like, no, let me serve you. Mm. Let me, oh. you slow down and Don't let me do it. Yeah. Wow. So um, I have to think, okay, he's not a short order cook. He doesn't need, yeah. I mean, I tell my kids all the time, I'm not a shorter to cook. So why can't I need to just listen? Yeah. Oh, that's, I love, I love that analogy. That one is going to stick <laughs> with me. I, I love that. That is so great. And I love that thought of, no, how can I serve you? You know, like he's, <laughs> he, he has a good plan for us, but we sometimes yeah. we get in the way so often. Yeah. Yeah. And we forget that he delights in us mm -hmm. and he wants to be with us. And so he wants 
he wants to help us. He, you yeah. know, so often he's, I'm either he, that or he's drumming his fingers thinking, okay, any minute now she's going to, she's going to give up and she's going to stop trying. <laughs> let me, let me yeah. help her out here. Yeah. Like I could have had this done by now, but yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, I was thinking back about, you know, when we are getting that new diagnosis, we're young moms and just learning to find that place of contentment. It's hard because we're dealing with all the emotions, all the grief that goes along with that. But you on your website, you talk about you have a three step exercise for learning to be content. Wow. So teach us. What is your three-step exercise for learning to be content? Well, this is something, and I I put it up there specifically because it's something I struggle with. And this is something that I do quite often to help myself reset. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think so often when we receive, like you said, when we receive the diagnosis and we're so full of the to-dos and what needs to happen and all of this, that we lose track of ourselves. And I think also in the special needs world, we are so geared to fight for everything that our children need, that we are constantly in that, that state of defense. And I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to fight and it's needed sometimes. I'm not, I'm definitely not saying that, but one of the things I've told some of my moms too, is that I realized I am so busy standing with my fists up waiting at that corner, what's going to come around and protecting my family in the background, that the only thing they see is my back. Um, Mm. I'm protecting them, but they don't see that. And so every once in a while, I just need to turn around and maybe we fight it together. And so I think part of that is just being content in the life that you have now. And content doesn't mean happiness. It doesn't always look like joy. It means that you have accepted and you want the best outcome for yourself in the situation that God has given you and that you're going to actually step back and listen to that. And so the first thing, especially for special needs moms that I think needs to happen is we just need to rest. Mm-hmm. And now, now how do you do that? When you say rest, yeah. I mean, like I'm sitting here going, okay, I was up the majority of the night last night with my 23 year old son. So right. how did, what does that look like? So I keep a list of things that recharge me. Mm. And this brings out the nerd in me, I know, but I know myself well enough that even if I have five minutes, I'm going to fill it with something that needs to be done. But I know that if I get to a point where there's certain, I'm moody, I'm crabby, I want to bite everybody's head off, I need a moment. And we don't have we, we let's just be honest. We don't have that time where we can just step away for an afternoon or a morning or a couple hours and just take a walk or whatever. I mean, occasionally we can, but for the most part, that's not going to happen in our life. Yeah. No. So I have a few things that I know recharge me and that I write down and that just consistently help me rest. And it's not one of them is a nap. Not one of them right. is, you know, is a good night's sleep. Um, they help. Don't get right. me wrong. Right. But Sometimes it's just five minutes. What does that look like? Um, And so one of the things that I do is I love to just walk outside. And even if it's just enough time to stand in my front yard, take 10 deep breaths to know and let the sun hit my face. And sometimes there's no sun in Missouri for days on end. But sometimes that's just breathing in outside and just removing myself. I, I haven't left my son. He's not you know, I haven't abandoned him. I've just stepped outside for a moment and just to kind of give myself that pause. Mm -hmm. So it's more like a pause, I would say. Um, 
taking those moments to pause and to realize I'm a person, Mm -hmm. you know, our lives revolve around our children. And a lot of times our every moment, it could be a life or death issue. So that does not mean that we don't deserve, even if it's just a few minutes. So I always just, yeah, I just tell people just to kind of, if you have that time, you're like, huh, okay, what's next? Um, Usually that question of, okay, what's next? What can I do next? Because we all have that moment. That is the perfect time to say, oh, I have a moment to pause. Mm -hmm. I have a moment to rest. Take five, 10 minutes, reading, walking, getting on the phone with a friend, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Getting out in nature. I mean, for me, a lot of times it's just like, oh my goodness, look at that pretty flower, you know, Mm -hmm. or look how beautiful that God created this amazing tree or whatever, you know, to be able to look at nature for me. So often that's recharging. So, so rest is number one. What's number Mm -hmm. two is reflect. And I think, um, reflection can cause a lot of discomfort. Mm -hmm. Um, and because, we always want to put that best foot forward and we don't want to be seen as the glass half empty, but that's not what reflection is. Reflection is just something that you, how was my day? And I do this daily. I I'm a journal journaler. Um, is that a word? And I do that every day. And one of the things I do it first thing in the morning and I reflect on the day before, and I know some people do it at night, but I always start my journal with three gratitudes. Um, and it, Sometimes I've told people too, I'm like, there are times where it's coffee, coffee, and coffee. Yeah. Like those are my three gratitudes. I don't have anything else to be grateful yeah. for right now, yeah. but those but are coffee. it. But if, yeah. yeah, but if I start with that and then I, I get, I get real mm-hmm. with myself and with God and I reflect on that day, I can work myself through that. But mm-hmm. I really spend time in that discomfort and that dis- yeah. discontentment. Yeah. And it, it seems like I, I have my thing that it's just so counterintuitive. Um, you know, people say, let go and let God. Um, and that, that phrase just drives me crazy. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I love it, mm-hmm. but we all have such a tight grip on everything that we want to do that we don't ease up on that grip to realize if it's something that we need to be holding on to. And I think that's where reflection happens mm-hmm. is what I'm holding on to so tightly, so tightly, is it deserving of that tight grip? And, and sometimes you have to sit in that. You have to sit mm-hmm. in that emotion and that feeling and, and look at, look at all the places that it's affecting you in order to, before you can even think of moving on. Right. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, a, that's great. So what's number three? It's rejoice. Mm. And I, again, this kind of goes back to the gratitudes, but um, you know, God wants us, he delights in us and he wants us to to delight in him and all of the, that he gave us, like you said, just going out and saying, oh my gosh, how beautiful is this flower? And, you know, I think a lot of times people think, oh, to be joyful, I can't be joyful in this life because this life is hard. It's, it's not being, it's not being thankful for or rejoicing for your circumstances is rejoicing in them. them. And yeah. And it, um, and no matter what your current circumstances are in your current mood, if you find, if you can just take a moment and find one thing that you can rejoice in Mm -hmm. one thing that you can find absolute joy in, it will help your mind frame. It will change that point of view. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I found that for me too. It, it like can totally shift my mindset from being mm-hmm. in that, that deep, dark pit 
to seeing, oh my goodness, no, really, I am blessed. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it opens your eyesight too, is once you notice one thing that you, one thing that you can yeah. find joy in, then it just kind of opens your eyes to, oh, there's, look at so much other around me. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's definitely that mind frame, that mindset oh, that you put so yourself great. in. Yeah. Wow. Sarah, I have absolutely loved this conversation. And me I think too. it is so, it's going to be such a gift to those moms who are, who are in a great place, but also those moms who are struggling and moms and dads who are struggling finding um, that joy, that daily, you know, contentment and joy in this special needs life. And I think what we're both saying is like, yeah, it's hard. The reality is this is a hard life. There are hard things we have to do every day. Things that are hard on our kids, hard on our family, but you can find joy on this journey. Mm -hmm. And I think what you have to share just points us back to that. And so I'm so grateful for you um, giving up your time today to have this conversation with me. And I know it's going to be a blessing to everyone who listens. Now, I know you have a podcast as well and mm -hmm. you have a website. So share with our listeners where they can find you. Um, my website is sarahclime.com and that's S-A-R-A-C-L-I-M-E.com. And that's my personal one. Um, that's where the system that I was talking about earlier will come around most likely this summer. Um, and then the podcast is Take Heart Special Moms. And um, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Take Heart Special Moms. And our podcast is also Take Heart Special Moms. Okay. And yeah. And it's just, uh, we actually have some dads in there too. So not to have them, but not to forget them. But right. one of the things that we do is we focus on hope, joy, and connection and how we can do that through Christ. That is great. And we'll yeah. in, uh, include all those links in our show notes so that people can come and find you. And I'll, I'm, I will be anxiously awaiting this new system that you're going to have at some point because, oh my goodness, I definitely <laughs> need it. I need some help getting organized. I just, I need you just to come to Tennessee and you just come and, you know, like help me get my mind, my mindset here. So, so you might regret that because you might have to be my in-person beta. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> I, I will take it. I will do it. Yeah, I will do great. it. So Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so grateful. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the rising above ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.